Some form of release. In in Ohio, do people say y'all? Yes, people say y'all. Do they? And they talk with a southern accent. Wow. So it's it's like full on, like Mm -hmm. southern, southern like drawl. You got the southern drawl with y'all. Yeah, it's a little more like Appalachian than like you know like (laughs) Georgia, like that. uh, I don't know if you ever watch the Cooking Channel. I don't, but my wife does. No. There's that. There's some old like Bernadine or Paula Dean or like <laughs> I can't remember her name, but she's got you know like she's from like the deep south and there's like a deep south accent and then there's like an Appalachian so south accent. They're similar remember, but not the you same. You remember the episode of The Office uh, where where they played that murder game, um, that murder mystery game, and uh, it, it was it was based on this southern murder mystery. It was this season. It was like. Episode thirteen or fourteen or something. Um, yeah, I kind of remember. Anyway, the the whole thing it, it was it was like murder in the savannah, and and uh, Andrew Andy Bernard was trying to explain the different Southern accents. And he's like, he's like, well, you know, he's like, there's there's the kind of the the Florida Panhandle type of accent that has kind of that ring, but then there's the more Southern roll. It's it's more like a sweet molasses. Uh, that's more like the deep southern south kind of molasses. Uh, I, I don't do it as good as him, obviously. But but is that what you're talking about? There there's like the well there well there are differences. It's not, but it's 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 more. I don't know how to explain it. It's just not the same. No, it's still. I mean, it's in the same vein. I mean, it's like. It's like when you're talking about coffee and you have like 12 different, you know, flavors of coffee, but it's still all coffee. It's the same thing. It's all There's it's like all 12 different talk. varieties of a southern accent, but they're all still a southern accent. Do do you have a or did you have a southern accent? Have you ever? No. Nope, not really. When, thought, when you go to Ohio, do you come back with a southern accent? No. No. No, but, my brother has one. Wow. And uh see, I think it's because my brother was like the more well, my sister was popular too. I wasn't like I wasn't very popular in high school, <laughs> so I didn't really hang out with anyone because my parents didn't have an accent because they were we weren't from there. Oh, we moved. They moved from Washington back to Ohio, so so they don't have that accent. But um, but my brother hung out with a lot of you know he played football, so he hung out with a lot. Oh, uh, so he picked up. Yeah, I think he picked it up, and he married someone from there. So oh well, that's just, yeah. that, that's his problem. Yeah. My sister kind of does, but not as much. And she married somebody that doesn't have it, so yeah, it's fading away. Whatever there was, my parents, 
my mom has kind of picked up a couple things because she works with people, but my dad, not so much. Not so much. But me, you know, I, I have what, none. What, uh, what's your, what's your opinion of, um, of people, uh, of Southern accents? Like, do you, do you, do you like them or do you find it annoying? Uh, Sorry, is that is that too personal a question? I don't want to offend any of our listeners. It's a Maybe. tricky question. Okay, it, it depends on the person, and, and and at that point, it actually has nothing to do with their accent. But if the person um, is particularly annoying to me in general with their personality, then the accent only makes it worse. Yeah, yeah. But if if they're just a normal person that I like, it doesn't bother me. See. I, I think that we all have some kind of accent in some kind of way, you know. Um, oh yeah, you haven't, you know, people out here have an accent because compared to people in, you know, the South. Sure, uh, you know, I, I'm sure if someone from there came here, they're like, man, everyone kind of says it a little different, or, mm-hmm. or you know, you, you go to like Minnesota, everything is Minnesota, you know, it has that kind of Canadian flair to mm-hmm. it almost. So I don't know. Which, which is really, you know, and you go to Australia and Great Britain, you know, then they, they have their own accents, you know. Australia, mate. <laughs> Sorry. That's the, only, that's the only word you know how to say, mate. <laughs> mate. But, um. Another shrimp on the bob, eh? <laughs> mate. But, you know, it's like, it's interesting, It's but it's interesting to think about, you know, how, how did the South start saying this word this way? Yeah, and we out here started saying it a different way, and weird. you know, people in Great Britain say the you know we can take one word and you, it's the same word in the same language, but it's said like fifteen different ways. Yeah, wow, it is just pouring outside. Is it raining cats and dogs? That that's amazing. <laughs> ah, there's that laugh. Yeah, it, it is kind of pouring outside. That's a, that's incredible. So yeah, here we are. It's here, like hey, be quiet. I'm yeah. gonna crank up your microphone. Can you hear the rain? Maybe not. Okay, we're back. <laughs> we'll, have to, we'll have to find out if that actually worked. Um. Anyway, yeah, here we are. We're in. We're in like the month of May, um, and it's it's been except for a few nice days. It's been pretty miserable weather <laughs> around here. You know what I mean? Like like last week there was some great days. Yeah. Uh, last weekend was awesome. But besides that, the month of May has just kind of been a dud. Yeah. It's been like one big disappointment. But that's what happens in May, right? No, but it sucks because May is such an important month in in the Cruz family, you know? Is it? Yeah, it is. Birthdays and Mother's Day and stuff? Well, well, okay, so check this out, right? So May 1st is my dad's birthday. May 14th is my sister's birthday. May 15th is my parents' anniversary. May 18th is my birthday. May 21st is Callie's birthday. May 28th is my wife Melanie's birthday. May 30th is her mom's birthday. And then, of course, somewhere in there is Mother's Day, uh, the third Sunday of the month or second Sunday of the month, whatever it is. Wow. Um, so May is just... It, so you have all these family things or yeah. a couple of family things anyway, and you can't ever And you can't outside. go outside, right. Yeah. So we're having a birthday party for our daughter Callie because uh, Callie's birthday is tomorrow. And... We're having a birthday party for her this weekend, and it's supposed to rain. That's what the weather's saying, and we're we're trying to remain optimistic. Tomorrow for um, her birthday, we're uh, we're going to Enchanted Forest down in Salem, 
You ever been to Enchanted Forest? Or have you heard of it, I should say? Uh, I can't remember where I've been. I think it's Oaks Park is what I've been okay. to. Okay, o- Oaks Park's in Portland. Enchanted Forest is this really lovely, very um, uh, very quaint uh, uh, amusement park that this guy built. I mean, he kind of single-handedly built it. And, you know... Uh, With he, one hand? Well, <laughs> probably two. Okay. Um, and he had some help from his sons. But, you know, basically he built this kind of uh, amusement park based on fairy tales. So, like, Snow White, um, uh, you know, has kind of all these, cla- you know, Sleeping Beauty, has all these really classic fairy tales. And you walk through this, like, foresty area. Um, and it's just a lot of fun. And they have, like, Western Town. And they have, like, Storybook Lane. And, you know... I I grew up going there, all right, you know. So now I'm taking my kids there, and and it's just a whole new generation getting to experience it, and it's a lot of fun. But the point is, it's all outdoors, and if it's raining, it's gonna <laughs> suck, you know. So I'm like, no, yeah. don't don't rain tomorrow. <laughs> anyway, which you know we don't we don't really have any amusement parks around here. Yeah, Oaks Park in Portland. That's about it. Yeah, but that doesn't really count yeah. compared to you know other amusement parks. Right. Well, there's Enchanted Forest down in Salem, but that's really a kids. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's very much geared towards kids three, ages three to ten. Mm-hmm. You know, you know once you start getting twelve, thirteen, it, it's it's a little too old. Yeah. Well, the closest one is what Six Flags down in California, or the, right? There's some the wa- in Idaho. There's the water. Um, there's the water park. Yeah, it doesn't up in, count up in Seattle. No. No. Or, on, or Federal Way or wherever mm-hmm. it is. How, wait, now wild how come, Yeah, Wild Ways. How come that doesn't count? Because it doesn't. What? I mean, there's like one roller coaster. No, there's two. Two roller coasters. Well, it's, a, it's a great water park. Yeah, it's a water park, not an amusement park. But if you're looking for a water park, it's a great place to hang. <laughs> yeah? Yeah, if you're looking for a water park, it's fine. If you're looking for amusement <laughs> park and roller coasters, it doesn't count. <laughs> okay, fair enough. So, cause, and I'm from Ohio, and you know what we have in Ohio? We have... Kings Island, and we have Cedar Point. Oh, so you actually have, like, amusement parks where you live. Yeah. See, I've never experienced that. And, like, um, you know, Cedar Point has, like, the world's tallest roller coaster. You know, they're, and they're, wow. they've always been, you know, they'll they'll build the world's biggest, longest, tallest, fastest, something or other, and someone will beat them, so then they'll have to outdo, you so know. So then they'll, they'll build another one? So they've got just, just all these really cool roller coasters there, you know, that are, that are world famous. And, wow. Yeah. People from here, people from our church, actually... We'll like we'll fly back there just to go to Cedar Point. Wow! Yeah, I, I've never never been there. You know, to be honest, and I hate to admit it, you'll probably you'll probably stone me. You don't like roller coasters, do you? Um, no, no, they're okay. Oh, okay. Um, I was gonna I was gonna say I've never been to like a full on amusement park. I've been to Disneyland. That's an amusement park. Yeah, but I mean that that's Disneyland. I you know there's like a few roller coasters like Space Mountain or Big Thunder Mountain. Rare. I've never been to like a Six Flags. I've not. Wait, scratch that. Choir tour, sophomore year, I did go to a Six Flags. You did? Yeah, I did. Didn't I? No, I didn't. I did. Yeah, or junior year. Well, whatever. It was whatever year we went to San Francisco. I didn't go to San Francisco. Oh. Uh, Bummer. I totally missed out. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess I did go to a Six Flags. I, I don't remember it really well at all. Um, well, there you go. So you have been to one. Okay. Well, it doesn't stand out. All right. Okay. okay. Moving, moving on. Moving on. Where are we at, David? Chapter- we are uh, page. We didn't say page number last time. Sorry. Chapter 9. 194. 
We're going through the book God Songs. God Songs. God Songs. Party time. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Attitude check. Oh, you didn't do it, Kevin. What? Attitude check. You never did that in like your youth conferences or anything like that? No. The really what, corny thing? What am I supposed to do? Attitude check. You're supposed to say, praise the Lord. Oh, <laughs> that is cheesy. Yeah. That's really cheesy. No, I would never, I would never belittle myself and I, yeah. I would never go to that. <laughs> I would never stoop down to that level, David. Yeah, that's, uh, uh-huh. I'm, I'm sure some of our, uh, if you do that at your church, I'm sorry. Oh, whoops, sorry. But um, we don't mean to offend. No, we don't. We're but, just having fun. Attitude check. Praise the Lord. Is that is that how? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, kind so, of. You know, like the leader says attitude check in the congregation, or it was a youth thing. Yeah. The, then the youth would say praise the Lord, you know, and you're supposed to yell it and get as loud as you can. Kind of oh, idea. well, that sounds kind of yeah. fun. It was a youth thing. Yeah. It worked like a couple times. But um, attitude check. That's the chapter we're in. That's we why go. I said that. Here we go. Not because I was just. Some random thing I know. out there. Yeah. <laughs> but um, some, some sincere Christians worry about their motivation in writing songs for the Lord. Yes, we can't discuss songwriting without recognizing the potential commerciality of what we do. Um, the writing and merchandising of Christian materials is unlike others in that we're handling the Word of God. But printing, recording, and distribution cost money. And if publishers or record companies don't make a profit, they can't stay in business, in which case Bibles, books, songbooks, and recordings will be hard to come by. You know, that's kind of always a beef that I've had with Zondervan. Oh, really? Yeah, because you can only, you know, you can only print like 500 verses or something, and then you have to, you, I don't think, you're either not allowed or you have to get, you have to pay money or you have to get special permission. Oh, man. Well, just don't use the, the NIV. Yeah, use like yeah. use NASV or something. But it's like, come on, it's the Bible. Yeah, you don't own the Bible, <laughs> you know. And so, so that's always been kind of a beef that I've had. But that's kind of a different topic. But um, but yeah, you know, we're we're writing from God's word. We're writing from from experiences from God's word. We're writing from things we experience and community with others. We're writing, you know, from things that we experience in other people's lives and trying to tell the story and capture that and, and share it with people. So so we do have to make sure that our attitude is in the right place. We don't we don't want to just be looking for, for stories to exploit, or we don't want to be looking for opportunities to exploit. But but you know, there's power in music and yeah. and there's a great value in capturing some of those things and kind of permanently putting them in people's minds with with the power of music. So we have to make our attitudes in the right place, but um, pray for purity and servanthood and go ahead and write. I love this next one. Don't quit your day <laughs> Don't job. Don't quit your day job, please. Um, Which, you know, I've heard of people who've done that and you know, you listen to their songs and, and you're thinking, Hey, uh, you may want to reconsider. You know, is, it, is it too late to go ask for your job? Yeah. Back? Can, can you get that thing back? Yeah. Boy, it's tough because it, it sounds great. Like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just quit my the daily grind. I'm gonna sit at home and just really work on my music. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what, boy? A lot harder than it seems. First of all, you have to really actually be a good songwriter, and you have to be a really good musician, mm-hmm. and then you have to do the whole work of actually getting your song heard, which we talked about last episode. Listen, listen to the last week's episode. And we're still doing. We're still talking about the same thing. Well, yeah, same thing. I'm, but, I'm just, um, okay. You know, I could see, you know, but even Lincoln Brewster, 
Lincoln Brewster still works as worship leader at a church. He is. And so. Yeah, that's his day job. And Paul Balash, same thing. Same still thing. a worship leader. And, you know, and I'm sure, you know, their lives change, their schedule changes. Sure. They're, they're less committed to da- the church. Uh, David Crowder, I, I remember reading an article with him. Interesting. So David Crowder and his entire band, actually, they, they lead worship at, at their church in Texas. And um, David, he loves his church. He loves his church family. And he's made a commitment that despite all, and, and he's pretty big. I mean, he tours a lot. Yeah. He's, he's pretty popular. Yeah, he's, he's well known. He's well known. Mm-hmm. Um, despite his traveling schedule and the tour schedule, last year, um, I think they they only missed five services in the entire year. Wow. They, they were at their church like 46, 47 weeks, mm-hmm. 40, you know, 47 Sundays. They always came back. Sometimes they were flying in, you know, right. sat, Saturday morning or driving, rolling into town. Saturday at like 4 a.m., but yeah. they were at church mm-hmm. Sunday morning. Yeah, that's cool. I thought it was cool, too. Be the best you can be. Um, I like that. I like the first line of this paragraph. You may be content to, to keep your music as a hobby, but if you find you have a serious gift that is beginning, beginning to be recognized by others, our advice to you is to learn all you can as fast as you can. It's <laughs> another reason to keep listening to this podcast. That's right. But yeah, um, the more you know, the better off you are. So especially, especially if you write something and, and, and you get some genuine feedback that, Hey, you're doing, you're doing some good stuff here. Right. You know, you need to keep working at it. Then, then by all means, you know, uh, dive head first into everything songwriting that you can get your hands on and get into it and get your craft, you know, hone your skill, get into it. So, um, Next section, what's your calling? Do you feel you have a specific sense of direction in your writing? Uh, obviously, the book we're going through, God Songs, it focuses on worship music, focuses on worship songs. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, there's also all kinds of different forms of, of Christian music and, you know, entertainment, wholesome entertainment. I mean, you know, even stepping outside the box here, um, you know, comedy duos, um, I mean, there there's some Christian comedy, uh, even Christian parody. Right? What's that guy? Tim Hawkins? Is mm-hmm. it? Yeah, that's mm-hmm. his name, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he's made a pretty big name just making fun of you know Christian songs. Yeah, and and secular songs and secular songs, <laughs> sure. But um, yeah, it's there's there you know there's a huge spectrum of music that's available, and that you know Jimmy and Carol are talking about writing musicals and. And a couple of things to think about when you're writing musicals that they're you know you're writing for amateurs and most of the songs you write in the musical won't be heard um but but that doesn't mean don't write them because they serve their purpose well um but you know i i've i've tried to write worship songs from time to time i don't think i'm a worship songwriter per se I think, you know, and I think that's, you know, for my background, I, I think I'm, a, I lean more towards like a, a story song or, or, or songs that tend to be more wordy than worship songs, I guess. Yeah. And so that's, that's just kind of my natural bent. So. Well, and, and in this section right here, um, Jim and Carol Owens, who helped co-write this book, they, they make an interesting fact. Most of the songs that they have published come from their musicals mm-hmm. and those aren't songs you sing congregationally right you know you, you aren't gonna sing um you know nothing ever happens here in galilee 
um, you know, which is part of their musical where Jesus, you know, comes on stage. Um, so, you know, it, it, it really depends on, again, what your, what your natural bent is, what your calling is on music. And yeah, you know, maybe it's musicals, maybe it's Christian songs, maybe it's wordy, you know, things, mm-hmm. whatever. Just know who you are. Yeah. Chugging along, making demos. Some publishers, some publishers say you don't need to go to the great expense to make a demo. A cassette will do so long as it's clear. I don't think that's true anymore. Yeah, not. I don't think in today's. Yeah. If you, if man, if you sent a publisher a cassette, yeah, they probably say what? <laughs> I don't. Well, hey, does someone have a tape just player? Throw it right in the trash. Yeah. Does someone have a tape player mm-hmm. around here? Yeah, I think I think publishers expect a minimum now. You know, um, with with technology, with the price of everything coming down, with with the just, you know, a lot of people have stuff, and you you know, as a songwriter, probably know somebody who has some sort of recording equipment that you could you know go and and record a a decent right. demo, right. and not just you know sing into a tape player, yeah. or you know take you know. Even even taking the feed off of off of your board uh, from a worship service would be would be better than than just sending right, like a cassette. Probably, yeah, <laughs> so, probably. Um, so so they they add they add some um, you know th- this whole some publishers say that you don't have to go to great expense, um, but they add a few things. They say you know look if, if you want to be serious about it, Try for the best quality. Uh, if you aren't a good singer, get someone to sing for you, which I think is great because I'm not a great singer. And those kind of things like, hey, you know, l- let me find someone who actually has a good voice. Um, avoid excessive stylizing. Uh, this is an American Idol, folks. All right. And even the judges on American Idol don't like that. So, yeah. And then, find, you know, get the best feeling you can in the vocal. Uh, emotion is more important than technical perfection. Somewhere over the rainbow, That's a pretty good Aaron Neville impression. Aaron Neville with the cocoa butter. Um, <laughs> sorry, Saturday, with the cocoa butter. Cocoa butter. Saturday Night Live, uh, or no, maybe it's Mad TV. They used to do this sketch where. Where he was always rubbing cocoa butter on his muscles because he's got them big old like fatty muscles with all the <laughs> tattoos, and so every sketch, um, he'd be like, oh, "I got my cocoa butter," you know, and he was he was just trying to you know put into his in his tattoos because he's got mm-hmm. those big fatty tattoos on his big fatty muscles. <laughs> anyway, yeah, Aaron Neville cracks me. Yeah, up. okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> placing your songs is it better to try and go through an established publisher or self-publish? Pros and cons. Yeah. Uh, if you decide to submit your songs to publishers, do your homework first. Um, enclose lead sheets. There's there's a bunch of stuff there on page 200. I'm not going to read all of it. But um, don't expect a critique or even a reply unless your songs are, are accepted. Yeah. So, you know. Don't, you, don't anxiously sit there by the phone right, right. waiting. Yeah, don't don't send it in and then, you know, then wait by the mailbox for the next six months. And then get discouraged when you don't hear anything. And here's send a, it expecting to not hear. Yeah, here's a no-brainer, um, which shouldn't even need to be said, but <laughs> but it cracks me up, so I'm going to say it anyway. Never send your only copy 
Um, <laughs> yeah, please, please don't send your only copy and then wait mm-hmm. for for that song to get published. Yeah, not not smart. Or uh, don't play hard to get. <laughs> um, never sell your songs outright. Ooh. Ask for a reversion clause. I didn't know what that was, but uh, in case the publisher fails to fulfill his obligation to get your song published by either print or recording within a reasonable length of time, ownership of the copyright would then revert back to you. That's a good idea. I didn't know that. Uh, Your publishing company will belong to one or more of the performing rights societies, ASCAP, BMI, CSAC, and help you decide which to join, yada, yada, yada. CCLI, it's not a copyright organization. You know, they don't copyright your songs. They don't distribute your songs. They just track where your songs are being used. So yep. that kind of deal. Um, Craig Dunnigan, again. That was who it was before, right? Uh, pretty sure. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, this, is, this is Craig's answering this question. What I look for in a new congregational worship song. This is Craig Dun- Dunnigan, the Vice President of Music Publishing and Church Resources at Integrity Music. So what does he look for? He looks for a singable melody, accessible lyrics, clear and understandable concept, well-written and crafted, unique expression of a universally beneficial and useful idea. So that's all about accessible lyrics. Memorable, song can be easy, easy to sing and accessible lyrically, but very ordinary. The incredible challenge in writing worship songs is to take a singable melody and an accessible lyric and craft them into an extraordinary and unique musical and spiritual event. They're looking for transforming songs, not not just a song about something. So, yeah, um, that does it for Chapter 9. Hey, we so, did it. So let's just do a quick review of Chapter 9. If Here you want to get your songs heard, how do you do it? Yeah, start first locally with people who are already in your sphere of influence. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and this is part of last week's episode, FYI. But yeah, start start with your church, you know, sing it for your church, see how that goes. Sing it for your friends. Yeah, get feedback. Kind of, you know, figure out a way to kind of grow your, grow your audience of people who's going to listen to it, whether that's going to another church or building new relationships with new people who can listen to it or finding right. other worship pastors to... To run your songs by, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Make a demo if you actually want to pursue, you know, some sort of record deal. Or and even better, it if your church would record a, a mm-hmm. church worship album, that that bodes, I think, a little better with some yeah. of these publishers, seeing the fact that it's already been done congregationally. Mm-hmm. And write good songs. Write good songs. Make sure you're taking time. Um, yeah, be, be uh, diligent about... Uh, be diligent about you know not writing songs for the purpose of being the next Chris Tomlin, right? But just write songs that are meaningful and relevant. You know, real quick as we, yeah, yeah, as we end here, um, I remember going to that last um, seminars for worship conference uh, in the summer, and Brian Dirksen he he said he always writes songs that to fill a gap, um, you know. When when he writes a song, he writes it because there isn't a song like that right at that moment, um, you know. Or maybe maybe a song has been done, but it's been a while since a fresh rendition of it, you know. Mm-hmm. So he he did this new rendition of the Lord's Prayer, um, you know, really cool song. Just because 
th- there was a gap. There was a need for that in his church, in his life, whatever it was. So yeah, right, right towards that gap. Yeah. Don't don't try to don't write a song that's been done a million times. I mean, there's there's thirty holy is the Lord songs out there. You know. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Try and try and find a song that hasn't been written. I mean, it's not possible, but 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 try and find a song that you don't you know that your church doesn't already have ten of that you sing. Yeah. Try and find something else. Yeah. So, hey, we're getting in and the time allotted for you. Yep. And uh, we're going to wrap it up. So, Worship Ministry Catalyst, you can find us online worshipministrycatalyst.com. Send us an email to David at WorshipMinistryCatalyst.com or Kevin at WorshipMinistryCatalyst.com. And you can join the conversation by joining our social network, WorshipMinistryCatalyst.com. Thank you very much for listening to us this week and the weeks past. We hope to hear from you soon. We'll talk yes. to you later. Bye-bye.